2: Sports Radio, 929 the game, halfway home on the John
3: Chuckery show here, live in the Kia Studios. Hey, uh, the Big Time Baseball Podcast with Cody Decker, Tony Gwynn Jr., and MLB insider John Heyman. They cover all things Major League Baseball. You can download that today on the Odyssey app. Free wherever you get all of your podcasts, and new episodes come out each Monday. 404-741-0929 is both our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line. And it is our phone line because we have the phone lines open to you. By the way, thank you to everybody who was calling in uh, about the Pete Rose uh, discussion I just uh, had. Thank you for all that. Day day, what uh, what did you say? Everybody was enjoying my. Uh, oh yeah, Pete
4: Rose? yeah. But just uh, yeah. They said they they feel like you're right on that one. Uh, you know. I yeah, mean,
3: because because again, who doesn't know Pete Rose in the year in the year of our Lord 2022? Who doesn't know what Pete Rose is? Right. He's a low life dirt bag, you know, goofball. Right. He is. That's what he is. He's always been that way.
4: Yep. I mean, and and again, like, to his point, like – 30, 40, you're talking about 30, 40 years 50. ago. Like 50 years ago. It was ago,
3: 73 like, when that when that happened, like, when fir- he was with the Reds in 73.
4: Yeah, like, first of all, that's not even the appropriate moment for the conversation, for the, for those questions. So if you want to have those questions, set up your little one-on-one, you know, daytime special right. and, what, and have a sit-down. But again, with them.
3: What, what do you think is going to happen? Pete Rose is going to have... If you know Pete Rose at all, he's not going to have a change. The only reason he admitted to betting on baseball was because he was so red-handedly caught when all the betting slips and everything, and then he wanted to get in the Hall of Fame. That's the only reason he's come clean about everything. It's not like the truth changed in 25 years when Pete bet on baseball it's you know when he spent decades denying it it's not like the truth changed but he thought that eventually he'd get back into baseball and everything would just be forgotten well 30 some years later it's not forgotten and he's still banned from baseball and he wants to be in the hall of fame and that's why he's contrite now cuz he wants cuz he wants something cuz he's a low life
4: what he does? Maybe that was her angle. Maybe that was her angle. Like maybe let what, me. What to show her... that he's a
3: low life? Yeah,
4: just to or just to I'll remind come on people. On my show, and I'll explain it to her.
3: <laughs> Hell, save Just yourself. to make sure save he doesn't yourself get in a the bunch hall. of typing and words. Four zero four seven four one zero nine two nine. Call up, babe, and I'll explain it to you that I- that he's a low <laughs> life. Hell, this ain't hard. Anyway, so we're asking you at four zero four seven four one zero nine two nine on the phone line. Who are you most excited to see? Who are you keeping your eyes on? Coming up on Friday for the Falcons. Look, I will tell you first and foremost, my eyes are still going to be at the same place they were going to be no matter what. That's the offensive line. I want to see McGarry. I want to see Effetti. I want to see Hennessy. I want to see Dolman. I want to see Mayfield. I want to see Wilkinson. I want to see Lindstrom. I want to see Jake. I want to see this guy. I want to see that guy. I want to see their offensive line. And I want to see how everybody looks. I'm going to have my two beady eyeballs all over that offensive line. I want to see that first and foremost. Second thing I want to see, I want to see our pass rush. If that's Malone, Cady, Lorenzo Carter, whatever it is, whoever's going to be out there on the outside with their job of sacking the quarterback. Because that's, look, with all due respect to Mariota and Ritter, and Drake London, and Kyle Pitts, and all those guys, they'll get all that figured out. But we have to start figuring out our offensive and defensive line, right? As I've preached a million and a half times. We'll win or lose because of what those guys up front do. Either we'll be a competent offense because we can block and figure some things out, or, and, and we'll be a competent defense because our defensive line can get after people, or we won't. Now, I'll tell you the other position I want to see. I want to see the backup running backs. I I want to see every running back not named Cordero Patterson. I want to see Algier and Huntley and Williams. I want to see all of those guys. I want to see Allison. I want to see all of those guys. What can they do? Because let's face it, you get in the second half of the first preseason game, you're going to be running the football a lot, right? You're going to be trying to exert your will and run the football a lot in a game like that. I want to see what those guys can do. I want to see our offensive line, can they block, can they protect our quarterback, and I want to see what our defensive ends, outside linebackers, whatever you want to call them, what are considered our edge players, what can they do, and what can our running backs do? Because it's the new wave of the Atlanta Falcons offense. We won't have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination. We won't have all the answers of what these guys are or are not. But again, you know, look, your offensive line is going to be the key to this season. If your offensive line doesn't progress, then you can be a two or three win team. If they can get some things figured out and they can help protect your quarterback, block for your running backs, you know, give your quarterbacks time to throw, then you could probably find a way to win five or six games. So, uh, look, I'm going to be watching all those spots, all five of those spots on the offensive line, and I want to see our outside guys, and I want to see what our other running backs look like. Because right now, when you watch practice, you know, look, Huntley's had some moments. Allison, Algier, everybody's had some moments. But what nobody has had in one-on-one seven-on-seven, seven or anything like that, what none of those guys have had is a chance to hit a guy with a different colored hat on. And it doesn't matter how long our starters play, you know, because, look, on your, on your offensive line, you're trying to find your five starters. So we're trying to figure that out. Your defensive line is always going to be a rotation of guys. You're not going to play the same five guys all game long, unlike your offensive line. And since we don't have either of those spots figured out, you know, I don't even – honestly – I really don't care if Grady Jarrett plays cuz I want to see Taquan Graham and all these other guys. I want to see o- Ogundje and all these guys. I want I want to see I want to see what these guys look like. I I know what some guys are. I already know what Grady Jarrett is. I don't need to see him. I don't need to see him at all in preseason to know what he is. I don't I don't need any of that to know and figure out what he is in preseason. So 404741 Zero nine two nine, that is our phone line and our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Let's uh let's go out and grab Jerry out in Hampton. What's going on, Jerry? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. What's going Mr. on? Jerry? Yeah, buddy. What's happening, man?
2: Hey man, you know, our first preseason game was against Detroit. Yes. Now I was doing some research today and you know, I mean, I sprinkle a little bit here and there. I mean, maybe, you know. I just, you know, if I got a gut feeling, I go with it. But they got Detroit this year at three hundred, uh, uh three hundred to one to win six and a half games. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that?
3: Um, I, 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 don't. I wouldn't take the over on that. I, I wouldn't take six and a half for their over uh, because I think right now the Falcons and the Texans have the two lowest odds right now. They're both, I think, at four and a half right now. I think the Falcons are better to go over than the Lions would be to go over. I don't think the Lions are a 7-10 type of team or better than that. I, I mean, they've got to prove it. They're, they have to prove with their quarterback that they're better than that. So, I'd probably take the under on that bet.
2: Yeah, but, you know, I, I going to tell you something. Jared Goff, I mean, even though he got a bad rap in LA, you know, I mean, he he's not chopped up.
3: No, I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl. I mean, you can't take that away from him. I mean, he's been – He's a, he's a quarterback that has been to a Super Bowl. I just, don't think that the, I just don't think that their team as a whole is all that good. You know, they, they drafted Jeff Okuda a couple of years ago with the number three pick in the draft. He's been a complete bust thus far. They're hoping and counting on guys like him to step up, but he's been terrible in his first few years in the league. He was drafted the same year that A.J. Terrell was. He's been a complete bust. You know, when you, when you, have, when you have top three and four picks in the NFL draft, and they're complete busts for your team, those, are, those things are hard to overcome as an organization. Like, it's hard to overcome that. You, you better be superstars in a lot of other places. I don't think the Detroit Lions are, are that way. Who are you looking forward to seeing on Friday? I guess we lost them out there. All right. Anyway, 404 um, Look, I Look, again, the Lions have already said that they're going to play their starters probably a quarter. I'm guessing that Arthur Smith is probably going to play his starters about a quarter. So I think that first group that goes out there is going to be interesting to see. I think we can pretty much guarantee it's going to be Wilkinson. I'm not going to be surprised if it's Dolman. I think that's going to be interesting. What guy goes out at center that won't guarantee you that he's going to be the starter week one of the regular season, but it certainly will give you an indication about who's who they've looked at as who's been better in camp. Is it Hennessy or Dolman? And, I would assume McGarry's going to start at right tackle because it, it, he's been taking all the reps. I mean Jermaine Effetti, and and look, I I don't know. Again, he's he's probably at this point just a swing tackle for this team. So I expect Dolman to be with the starting group, which again, it is what it is out there. You know, I I assume it'll be Jake Wilkinson, Dolman, uh, Lindstrom and McGarry will be your, will be your starting five on your offensive line come Friday. And Mariota will start, obviously. Uh, Patterson will be one of your running backs. Key Smith will be your fullback. London, London Pitts, and who's probably their next pass catcher? Edwards, Brian Edwards, a kid out of Oakland or Las Vegas or whatever the hell, whatever the hell they're playing nowadays. That'll be your probably your, your three main pass catchers to start with. And, and I do think that we'll learn some things after this. You know, with only three preseason games, and if you're going to play your starters in it, and we've already been told by Arthur Smith that he's going to approach this this preseason more uh, or pre, approach this preseason differently than he did last year. And let's face it, they're not a club that's got a 14 year quarterback and you know the Calvin Ridley's and that of the world to be able to just bench and sit those guys arbitrarily, right? They don't have those guys anymore. You have a lot to figure out with your roster and what the quality of your roster is. You can't figure out a lot. You got to you got to play those guys this year you got to play him this year. Uh, you got somebody back there? Yeah, let's get uh, Ted out in Lawrenceville before we get to break. What's going on, Ted?
2: I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Chuckery. I have to, I'll start off by
3: saying I've got the Falcons down for about probably six and a half wins this year because, number one, I don't trust Marcus Mariota to stay upright the whole 16. He's had some injury concerns. I'm not too sure about the offensive line. I will tell you the one guy I want to see on Friday. Now help me out with the pronunciation here, is I haven't been able to get it. right. That defensive end we drafted, Arnold Ebicady. Abikati. Ebic- Ebic- yep. Abik Ebic- Abikati. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to see
2: that guy. I want to see that guy bring it.
3: Oh, I agree. Uh, and and look, I mean, if, if based upon if we're going to play the stars a quarter, he's going to get. I think it's going to be him and Lorenzo Carter are going to be the two outside guys that get started for his team. And I want to see and another guy. I want to say well, another guy. I want to see. uh, about there, D'Angelo Malone. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I listen, everybody whose job is going to be to sack the other team's quarterback. I want to see them. I, I, I want to see what those guys look like. Appreciate the phone call out there. All right. When uh, we get back, it will be time for that's life. Uh, we lost my first childhood crush. Plus an original copy of the Bobby Bonilla contract has sold at auction. All that plus our top 10, Chuck the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, the app. 929, the game, back with you on the John Chuckry show. 922, live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life.
0: That's life. That's
3: what all the people say. 47410929, that's You're our right. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, catch on the go. Social media, at 92 on the game at JMcH316 on Twitter. Hey, you can listen to every Falcons game along with all the music and news and Atlanta needs right here. On the Odyssey app. And of course, Kenny Maine's joined the Odyssey family with his new podcast, Hey Maine. Uh, this week's uh, episode, he uh, talked to Jamel Hill this past Thursday. He's going to be talking to athletes, musicians, celebrities, just about anybody else. Um, hey Maine is free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. We'll get to our top ten here in just a, a couple of minutes. An original copy. You know Bobby Bonilla signed that. Whatever lifetime yeah. deal or whatever it is the one with, he the, steals, with the
4: paid. he doesn't yeah. have much longer on that though, right? No,
3: I think he's only got a few more years yeah. that he gets paid. So, an original copy of the contract, which also, by the way, includes um, spending a day at City Field with Bobby Bonilla, so that's also part of it. Wow! It sold for <laughs> so, a hundred eighty thousand dollars. So, a contract that means nothing to that person. And spending a day with Bobby Bonilla goes for hundred eighty grand. Where do these people get, get this the money? the
4: money, I know.
3: <laughs> like, like, of all the things to spend 180000 on. I mean, it is what it is, but it's like, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Now, I sent you a picture, okay? Yes, you did. And, and here's the caption for it. It says, you can only watch one year of black movies. And these are from the 90s. So, 1990, House Party, Mo' Better Blues. 91, House Party 2, Boys in the Hood, The Five Heartbeats, New Jack City, Strictly Business. 92, Juice, Class Act, Mo Money, Boomerang, and Malcolm X. 93, CB4, What's Love Got to Do With It, Menace to Society, Poetic Justice, Sister Act 2. 94, Fresh, Crooklyn, Jason's Lyric, Above the Rim, A Low Down Dirty Shame. 95, Dead Presidents, waiting Waiting to Exhale, Excuse Me. Higher Learning, Vampire in Brooklyn, and Friday. 96, Set It Off, Don't Be a Menace, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, The Preacher's Wife, Fat Beach. 97, BAPS, B-A-P-S, Love Jones, Eve's Bayou, Soul Food, Booty Call. Yes, Booty Call, (laughs) the great Vivica A. Fox. Yep. Uh, 98, Belly, The Players Club, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, he got game, and '99 into deep, the best man, the wood, and life. What year you got dating?
4: Uh, it's got to be '91 for yes. me, and I will say yes. that of all of them, there there's movies in every all of the years, but '91 holds like four. Yes. I'm with you. You know. But, I'm
3: with you. New Jack City is one yep, of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Let me tell you, the five heart of fi- Robert classic, Townsend classic. is vastly underrated. I mean, yes. it is a vastly underrated movie. Classic. Robert Townsend is magnificent yes. in that movie. That movie's fantastic. Yes. I'm with you. Look, Boys in the Hood speaks for itself. Yep. I mean, it just, it does. Strictly Business is not that bad. Halle no, Berry, it wasn't. Yeah. Tommy Davidson, it's not, it's not that bad of a movie. It's, right. It's past, I remember, I remember when that movie came out. House Party 2, it is what it is. Yeah, it
4: I mean, was, it, it it was to me, it was after 2, once they came out with the, uh, I think right. it was 2 more after yes. that, it kind of went downhill. Yes. So 2 kind of was still, it kept it kind of fun.
3: Yeah, I'm yeah. with you, though. 91, yeah. and look, yeah. I, I agree with you. There are some good movies in every other year. But 91, if I get those five. Yeah. Oh, I'm taking. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, if you'd have just told me the five heartbeats, New Jack City, and Boys in the Hood, yep. I'd have just taken those three. Yeah,
4: exactly. I'd have yeah. just taken those three. Yep. So I,
3: I'm with you. I think 91 is the way to go. Okay, yep. good. So we're on the same wavelength. There. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So I we talked about this with Dukes and Bell in the crossover. You know, my first childhood crush died today. Right. And that's Olivia Newton John, of course. Sandy in in Greece. Greece. Now I remember from that movie, but where I kind of really like got my crush was when she was in Xanadu in Xanadu. 1980. Because I was a little bit older, come 1980, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where I, she really kind of became one of my first crushes. That and that and when the video for Physical, Physical. Came I knew it. <laughs> yeah, when the video for Physical came out, I was like, okay, I really love this. Yeah, because I want
4: to say like. You know, that would I what I was probably like maybe what eighty one, so I was seven. But I I feel like that was around the time that she might that might have been for that time one of the most provocative videos. Absolutely,
3: it was. Well, think about know. MTV how young it was. Yeah, you know, at right? the time. I mean, yeah, I mean it was a very new channel, mm-hmm. and you're right, it was for that time and 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 the lyrics and everything yeah. of that song too. Yeah, you know, yep. I mean the only thing we have left to talk about is horizontally. <laughs> right. Uh, So you know, I mean, for its time, I mean, it it was was very. Yeah, and listen, here's the thing: that song launched. The entire fitness craze of the yeah. idea. Remember, every, Jane Fonda and everybody had workout videos. Yep, remember, sure that did. was a thing on VHS and Betamax. Yep. Everybody had a workout video. Yep. Everybody. Yep. I mean, Lyle Alzado had workouts. Yeah. Jane Fonda had workouts. <laughs> everybody had a workout video, and it was yeah. all because of physical. It yeah. started that whole revolution and that whole movement yep. of, of getting fit and all that. And if you remember, in the old days of ESPN, they would have Denise Austin in those workout shows yeah, in the morning, sure did. early in the morning yep. before it was daylight out and stuff like that. Yeah. So a young John Chuck, we would watch some of those shows <laughs> before heading off to school for the morning. But I, listen, I love, I mean, I said, I still do and bell. Olivia Newton-John and Debbie Harry were my first two okay. childhood crushes. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, uh, again, I love Debbie Harry because she smoked cigarettes and she looked <laughs> like she hadn't bathed in three days. And that's what I want to do, not bathe for three days. Right.
4: Oh. she was a dirty girl in all the wrong ways and stuff
3: like that. But I love Debbie here. I thought she was a great, a great front woman for it. So with that, though, tonight, um, I thought about doing our childhood crushes, but I know we've done that in the past. So mm-hmm. tonight's top 10 is our top 10 favorite Olivia Newton-John songs. Day Day, the floor is yours.
4: All right. So I, I, I will admit that it was tough for me to get 10. I did not even I didn't get 10. I did get seven because, again, I, I was young yes. when she, you yes. know, I. Um, uh, when she was doing her thing and everything, but uh, starting off at uh, at number seven would be suddenly a song she did with Cliff, R- Cliff, Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard, yes, yeah, I do that's remember from, that, that one. By
3: the way, that's from Xanadu as well. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna Love say
4: that. most of these songs are from either Xanadu or, or Greece. Or Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the exception of uh, my number two, I believe, um, and number six. But number six, landslide, uh, was also on the physical out al- the same album, I believe. As nice, physical. okay. Um five, uh look at me, I'm Sandra D, obviously, that was yes. from Greece. For Xanadu. Uh three, hopelessly devoted to you. Uh, do you. Do you
3: know who do you know who the so Z- the Xanadu soundtrack mm-hmm. was Olivia Newton John, but it also featured another very popular band.
4: Was it was it the Bee Gees?
3: No. But it, it's it's a band that was very popular for that time. They, they sang background on her on the Xanadu song. Okay. Um, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, yeah, Orchestra. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yep. remember
4: them. Yeah, Jeff, okay. Jeff Linn okay. did a
3: lot of the music on, on that, and, and ELO was a big part of the soundtrack for Xanadu.
4: Gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, Xanadu, by the
3: way, as a movie is awful.
4: Yeah, the movie sucked. Yeah, yeah. The Gene movie Kelly, was terrible. Gene, the, yeah. the
3: story and Gene Kelly and all that. I mean, <laughs> the, and, and who was the guy? Oh, God. I don't remember. The, 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 that movie the, was the, horrible. The guy who played the lead with Olivia Newton-John was also the guy who was in The Warriors. He was the leader leader of the gang in The Warriors. Oh, and I can't remember. I'll look that up while you give me the rest uh, of the list.
4: Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Left off with hopeless, Hopelessly in Love with You. And uh, two, obviously, was physical. And then one, because I mean, obviously, most popular song on throughout the movie, uh, "You're the One I Want" uh, mm-hmm. from Greece.
3: Uh, Michael Beck was the oh, guy okay. who played. He played Sonny Malone. He was in, the head
4: guy in Warriors. Yes, the main he was, guy. Yes, he was okay. the guy
3: who played the leader of the of the good guy gang in uh, in the Warriors movie. You know, the gang that was on the run yeah. and had to get back home and everything. Yep. He was the leader. Oh yeah, there of he that. is,
4: Michael Beck. Yep, yep sure was. Yep, yep.
3: yep, and he played in Xanadu as well. He was a hot actor for a few years there. It was, it was the hair. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was the hair. Yo, yeah. It was <laughs> the hair. Yeah, it was. And listen, that's, that's you know, again, Xanadu's awful, but the Warriors is awesome. Oh, the yeah. Is one of Have the great you movies. seen that
4: commercial? It, it came out a few months ago where they, it was a few of them, I guess the ones that are surviving, they did a, a commercial and they basically all dressed up in that, in really? the Warriors. Yeah, you could probably Google it, I'm sure. Wow. Okay. But they dress up, they're on the train, they're going through New York. Yeah, you got to check it out.
3: What was it, what was your what, did you have a favorite group of
4: gang? of the gangs? Yeah. I, I I like the baseball guys. That's the guy. right? <laughs> I think everybody's like that. Yeah. I love the face paint, yes. the uniforms yeah. and the bats. Yep. I mean like that And was they didn't awesome. talk really like right. they just, Yeah. Right.
3: That was awesome. Like they looked they looked awesome. Yeah, like yeah. I'd have joined that
4: gang. <laughs> right? I'd have been part of yeah. the gang.
3: I yeah, I agree with you. I like I think that's everybody's favorite, man, cuz those guys were great. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, um, I've got a separate top three that I'll get to here in just a minute, but I'll give you the rest of mine. Um, Make a Move on Me, um, okay. which she did Was that one her th-
4: country? No, her, uh,
3: I've got one of her country songs. Okay. Um, one of her country songs was a hit in the mid-'70s was Have You Never Been Mellow. Um, okay. That was one of those. Uh, that's on my list. Make a Move on Me is that era after Xanadu. When she – because one of my other songs is Twist of Fate. Okay. Which was the name of the other movie she did with John Travolta. Okay. So when she was kind of doing some of those movies, mm-hmm. um, Twist of Fate was – one. Of, that movie's awful. <laughs> that movie's really bad. Uh, but that's on my list. I had Suddenly on my list as well okay. from Xanadu. Yep. Heart Attack is on my list. Mm-hmm. You're giving me a heart attack. Okay. Physical, obviously, because it was a monster. Right. Like, that That song was everywhere in 81. Yeah. Like, that song was everywhere. yeah Um, I had You're the One That I Want uh, as well. And then my top three. Number three, A Little More Love. Okay. That's from that post-Grease Xanadu era. Okay. Um, Number two, without question, Hopelessly Devoted to You. Yeah. My absolute favorite song on the Grease soundtrack. Yeah. And then number one, Magic from Xanadu. Okay. One of her, maybe arguably her biggest solo hit. Have to Believe in Magic. Yeah. Um, Great, great song. Hit us up with your list as well. But, uh, yeah, she was mine. She was my first... Who was your first childhood crush?
4: Ooh. Celebrity
3: childhood crush.
4: Ooh. You know what? Honestly, I think she may have been one of them. I I may have had a couple, but I want to say she may have been one of them. Um... Uh, Pam Greer was another. Um, that's yeah, a good call. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I had a, I, had a I, I was watching things I probably shouldn't have been watching, so I really probably... <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, if you're watching Pam Greer movies, um, yeah, they were a little bit more adult-themed and, and oriented to it.
4: But, uh, yeah, uh, and believe it or not, um, Valerie Bertinelli.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because um, that's a good one. Adrian yeah. Barbeau was one of my early childhood yeah. crushes. Um, Heather Thomas... Uh, as I got a little bit more toward my teenage years, yeah. from the Fall guy yeah. was another yeah, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. and then one of my absolute favorites, and, and still one of my like top childhood crushes, Tanya Roberts from Charlie's Angels. Okay, from Angels. Charlie's Angels, and she yeah. was also in that. Oh God, she was in that movie where the guy controlled the animals, not Tarzan. Oh God, what was that bad movie that she was in that the guy was the guy could like control animals and stuff like that? Mm. But Tanya Roberts, that was she was always my favorite from Charlie's Angels. More than Jacqueline Smith or or Farrah Fawcett or any of them.
4: Yeah, Farrah Fawcett, she was like every for whatever reason. Yeah, she, had poster, like, yeah, right? she had the poster. Yeah, she had the, yeah, she had yeah, the yeah, poster yeah. that sold Beastmaster. 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 Yes, yeah, there Beastmaster. you go. Yes, yes. Oh, um, she was in Sheena. I yes. forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, she was in Sheena. Oh yeah, Tanya <laughs> Roberts, man, she was. <laughs>
3: she, I mean, then later on, she was she was uh, in the the James Bond movie. A kill. A beautiful, a beautiful Roger Moore, kill, Yeah, Roger Moore's last movie yeah. where he's about. 88 years old, yeah. uh, doing Bond stuff, which was awful. Yeah. But anyway, hit us up with your list on the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. When we come back, had a chance to speak with Amy Dash, our Odyssey legal insider, earlier today. What she had to say, we'll play that next. Check in the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app.
5: Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west.
2: Sports Radio
3: two nine, The Game. It is John Chuckery Show live on this Monday evening as we Await the appeal of Deshaun Watson. What is going to happen? Is it going to be six games? Is it going to be more? There is nobody, and I tell you nobody better, that we like to talk to than our Odyssey legal insider, Amy Dash. She's joining us on the waitfor.com hotline. And insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to driveway.com where you can get pre-qualified, buy a car, and get it delivered. Now, also, too, you want to recommend that you – Give her a follow on her Twitter page at Amy TV. And also check out the website leagueofjustice.com if you want more information about what's going on. Amy, I gotta say, I'm enjoying the fired up Amy Dash on Twitter, reading some of your tweets, whether you're, you know, talking about the ruling, going after folks. I'm I'm enjoying the fired up Amy Dash Twitter version of you.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, sometimes I do have second thoughts after it's been put out there in the Twitter sphere. I'm like, well, it's not a little bit much?
3: <laughs> hey, listen. It, it, but,
6: when, you know, so far, so good. I've only deleted a handful of tweets, so yeah, I guess that's positive.
3: I was going to say, once you hit send, Amy, you just have to stand by it. Uh, that, that's all I can tell you. Just uh,
6: You know, I'm not ashamed to delete. And then people are like, what What was this tweet? Why did you delete it? <laughs> I'm like, ah, a little much. So
3: <laughs> let, let's talk about this case from the standpoint of, so, I, you know, obviously the NFLPA, they, they filed their appeal and things like that, and we're we're waiting to see. The thing that I was reading is um, the question about whether or not the NFLPA wants an actual hearing or if they're going to be just satisfied with, you know, the decision. Walk me through a little bit about how you think this process is going to go quickly. We're going to get a hearing. I mean, how do you think that this part of the appeal is going to play out?
6: You know, I read in a couple of publications that there wouldn't be hearing. And then I read in those same publications, well, maybe there will be hearings. I don't think anyone knows which is why, you know, you don't want to be so quick to put information out there unless you're sure and you confirm it. So um, I think we just have to wait and see. I do think the NFLPA would be smart to have a hearing, uh, request that hearing, because they are going to want to have their side heard. Um, Of course, they can submit something in writing, but I think it's always helpful to to present like an oral argument. It's a little bit more persuasive at times. Um, So it could go either way. But if there is going to be a hearing, it's got to happen by the 13th of August, and then there has to be a decision pretty expeditiously right after that, um, according to the CBA, which actually requires no delay in the, in the issuance of um, a new decision. And then that new decision will take the place of the old decision. So the factual findings won't be changed, but the length of the suspension will either be the same or it will be uh, increased.
3: So what does your head and your gut tell you is going to end up happening in this appeal?
6: Well, I think it'll be increased, uh, the suspension. Uh, The question is, you know, is it going to be 8 games, 10 games, 12 games, a full season? And um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a full season. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it's like 10 games, 12 games. Um, Because I think there are advantages to both. Um, You know, this is a decision maker who is very a uh, very buddy buddy with the NFL has worked for the NFL for a while um, gets probably gets clients to his personal firm through the NFL and has been in, but has also been involved in other disciplinary matters like Ezekiel Elliott and has been praised for being fair. Um, so on the one hand, you might think, wow, look at these factual findings, uh, a finding of more likely than not that he sexually assaulted four women, that he uh, committed conduct detrimental to the league and put four people in genuine danger of their safety and well-being. Those are some pretty heavy findings, so that deserves a year. Or uh, could say, you know, I'm going to sort of walk that line and I'm not going to cross it to the point where I antagonize the NFLPA and they try to go to federal court, though I don't think they have any, any grounds to do that, but um, might say, you know what, just to let this lie, let's do eight, 10, tw- 12 games. So at least there's an increase, but it's not like a full on court battle.
3: Odyssey legal insider, Amy Dash, joining us here on the wait for.com hotline. So once it comes down, does Watson have any ability to appeal the appeal or Is this we finally going to get like something that we can carve into stone and say, okay, here's the suspension. Now let's everybody move forward.
6: I think it's the latter because uh, I just don't see any grounds for him challenging this arbitration decision. And I I went through some of these points in in an article that I put up on the League of Justice. Uh, But there are very limited grounds to overturn an arbitration award. A lot of them have to do with corruption by the arbitrator, the arbitrator exceeding powers, not allowing people access to evidence. And these are the exact grounds that Tom Brady and Ezekiel Elliott challenged their arbitration decisions on. The fact that Roger Goodell, who is inherently biased, was the one deciding everything. The fact that they couldn't cross-examine an accuser, get access to interview notes or evidence. These types of procedural problems just don't exist with the Deshaun Watson case. And to boot, you had this process that was just newly negotiated. The NFLPA put out a statement praising its fairness and thoroughness and its impartiality. And the NFLPA is much more involved, you know, helping to choose Sue Robinson along with the NFL, agreeing to let Roger Goodell or his designee uh, have the final word and increase the suspension. That's part of the new process. So I just don't see any grounds to where they would be able to prove that they would succeed on the merits of this, that there's any irreparable harm to Deshaun Watson if he has to serve the suspension, or really any grounds to try to overturn this as an arbitration award.
3: All right, Amy, let's jump around a little bit. Let me ask you about Brittany Griner. You know, I don't know if kangaroo court is the right term to use for what goes on in Russia, but kind of two parts. One is, do you expect this to get resolved pretty quickly with the prisoner swap and and this will be handled expeditiously as well? And two is, how much does, I guess, the, the U.S. government have to start kind of, I don't know, prepping or, or making athletes like this understand the consequences or what the law is in some of these countries? Because Look, I I don't know what happened. You don't know what happened. Nobody seems to kind of know really what happened. Did she bring in hash oil or not? But doesn't the government, have if, if these girls and these ladies are going to head over to these countries and play professional sports and put a bullseye on their back, don't they have to kind of be better educated about what they really need to make sure they, they know and, and what to do and not do when they get over there?
6: Well, I think so, but I think that's really the responsibility of the various leagues that they play for here to be able to educate them. And then, of course, you know, Brittany Griner and the high-profile nature of this serves as a warning in and of itself uh, of what not to do when you go to other countries. But it's impossible for people to know the laws in other countries. I guess you just have to default to, okay, you know, no drugs, no weapons, you know, the obvious things. Um, but it, we've even seen, you know, mo- pop culture movies based on real-life events where someone puts something in someone's luggage and they get caught with it and they didn't have any idea it was there, and they go to jail for life, you know these crazy examples. so I guess you just have to be super careful about your belongings, who has a hold of your belongings, and what's in there. And as you know marijuana becomes legalized in this country and a lot of states, and medical marijuana or recreational marijuana or any type of drug becomes commonplace, you have to be careful to sort of check yourself and know. Okay, even though this is something that I don't think twice about in this country, um, you know, there could be serious penalties in other countries. So I don't think there's a kangaroo court in Russia. I just think it's a completely different legal system. It's obviously much more strict, much more intense. And these prisoner swaps, you know, I think likely it will happen. I just don't know if it will happen immediately because. Uh, these prisoner swaps actually happen all the time quietly between the state department and uh here in the US and, and uh you know diplomatic uh liaisons in other countries but it never at a time with so much tension between two countries in the middle of a war so that's really the unlucky part for her i think she probably would have been back by now or at least pretty soon after the verdict if not for what's going on in in the uh, political climate right now. So there's really no guarantees.
3: I guess, does does Russia care if she sits in a jail or not? I mean, they don't care about good PR and things like that, right? I mean, I guess they don't necessarily have skin invested in this game.
6: Well, I think they have skin invested in showing that, uh, setting an example that other countries need to respect their rule of law, uh, because right now, you know they're not being given much respect at all by the international community uh, because of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. So they may want to assert their power where where they do have leverage. And I think releasing her too quickly, you know, might might portray a weak stance, which is the opposite of what you know what Russia wants its um, reputation internationally to be. So I think right now, you know, she's in a tough position. And listen, it all comes down to what we can offer that they want and how badly they want it. So if they're like, okay, we want that Russian arms dealer who's been convicted, but we can wait a year or two to send an example and send a message, then that's what they'll do. So I think the U.S. might have to up the ante. You know, you just don't know what they want and how fast they want it.
3: Odyssey Legal Insider Amy Dash joining us on the waitfor.com hotline. Okay, so I brought this up to you about six weeks ago when we had you on the show. The and I, and I remember my exact question because I went back and even and looked at all was why would Liv not why would the live golfers not sue the PGA? Well, now we see that that's coming to fruition. I I, I guess I, I guess it seems simple for me of hey, how can the PGA have this sort of fiefdom over everything? But I guess there's always, you know, more to it than than just that in in this situation. What's the likelihood that the the, the live golfers at the end of the day get what they want? Let's put it like that.
6: Well, you know, the more I look into the claims, the, the better I think they are. I think the fact that these golfers were independent contractors that really the PGA couldn't expect exclusivity and that other tours are letting them participate. I think that really is very strong in their favor because um, when a court's looking at antitrust claims, it's looking at, um, is there, uh, is there behavior that's predatory, that's anti-competitive in nature. And the fact that you are uh, punishing people for participating in another tour to the detriment of your own tour is one of the hallmarks of antitrust, um, behavior. And that's what courts will look at is, um, is the PGA doing something that will hurt itself in the short term in order to try to regain long-term monopolistic control. So I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty good, but I don't think this case will go all the way. I think there'll be some sort of a settlement.
3: So, and that's what I was going to ask you. Um, is it going to be one of those things that, we're going to just come to a monetary agreement because that that's what everything revolves around in life. Right, Amy? I mean, it's just it's all about the Monet and, you know, everybody wants their peace and things like that. And basically, I'm guessing it will be a deal where, hey, you can't come to us with any future claims against us or say that, hey, you're owed whatever, you know, lost wages from what you could have won or this. any other. I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be a monetary settlement done and over with and we move on from there.
6: Uh yeah I think eventually yes um if the court rules in the uh golfer's favor so really when you, there's a lawsuit at the outset everybody comes out guns blazing and then what happens is uh we see in w- in which person's favor the rulings go you know one side tries to dismiss it survives the dismissal let's say another side gets a you know, summary judgment or gets some sort of a uh you know favorable ruling and that's when people start saying, okay, am I going to have to hand over information that I don't want public? Um, am, am I, is it looking like I'm probably going to lose this one? And that's when, you know, the settlement talks start getting underway. But for now, you know, the PGA is firing back and saying that they willfully breach breach their agreements with the PGA tour, you know, all for money, of course. And they're saying they're going to litigate the case vigorously because they feel that the reputation of the tour uh, is at stake. So uh you gotta weigh, you know, the damage the damage to the reputation versus um, letting other people know that, that the the tournament rules you know mean something.
3: Follow her on her Twitter page. A lot of great information at Amy Dash TV. Also check out the website leagueofjustice.com, a lot more in depth on some of these issues. Amy Dash is our Odyssey legal insider, and insider calls are brought to you by Driveway.com. Head to Driveway.com today to shop more than 25,000 new and used cars in Driveway's nationwide inventory, and she joined us on the WaitForward.com hotline. As always, Amy, I appreciate you carving out a few minutes with me here in Atlanta. Thank you so much, and we'll chat again soon.
6: My pleasure, John. Thank you so much. You
3: got it, John Chuck.
2: We will be back. Sports right now for the game of the Odyssey.com app.